glad you are joining me here and we are continuing in the lectionary in the week after easter moving into the story that has now been kind of dubbed uh, doubting thomas so i'll be reading from the message uh, from john 20 verses 19 through 31 it says later on that day the disciples had gathered together but fearful of the jews had locked all the doors in the house Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands inside. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were awestruck. Jesus repeated his greeting, Peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. And he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins... What are you going to do with them? But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We saw the master. But he said, Unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in there, and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Thomas said, My Lord, my God. Jesus said, So you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. These are written down so that you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in the act of believing, have real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. The word of the Lord. So, as always, the text leaves us with so many possible avenues And I think it is often very hard to figure out what makes the most sense to focus on in this time. And even with what I lift up here um, is definitely not the whole 
picture per se. Um, and that's, I think, why we have the space for conversation. So if something stuck out to you um, that I don't necessarily go in detail on here, I would love to hear your thoughts as we move forward, um, both with this text and, of course, in our conversations in general. But I always have felt bad uh, for Thomas getting this kind of bad rep, at least the way that I was explained the story growing up, you know, that Thomas would have been chastised for expressing doubt or in reality, just expressing skepticism um, and that he was somehow lesser than the other disciples in the room. So I'm just going to pick out a couple things that I really connected with in this reading um, and we'll see how, how they land for you. But some of the things that I notice is that the other disciples were kind of given this benefit of, in this first appearance that Jesus supposedly comes to them, and again, this is just building on our conversation from last week, that one, John was written much uh, further in time than this was actually happening. This is an account dedicated to a specific kind of audience. The way that John writes um, is in a way that lifts up certain aspects of this relationship between Jesus, the disciples, the divine. Um, and so all of this has to be kind of taken into consideration in this reading, that this is a recount of events that may or may not have happened, um, as we talked about last week, there are technically five different um, stories of the resurrection, none of which are all um, inclusive in terms of all having the exact same account. And so there's so much more room, I think, for us to explore questions, which, in my opinion, doubt and questions are a spiritual practice. They are not something to move away from. And last week's conversation, especially the one that I got to be a part of, was such a beautiful expression of why church space in this way still matters, why I continue to show up, um, because we can join in the questioning, the mystery, and not have to arrive anywhere, per se, by the end of a service, or even have a, an answer for anything. Um, but there's a deep freedom and just allowing it to be, to observe it from the outside with holy curiosity and say, I can pick this up or put it down in whatever way I need to in this time um, to figure out what does it mean to live? What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have compassion for another? That aside, um, in this particular phrasing, it says Jesus shows up to you know, the other disciples, and he immediately shows them his hands and his side. And then uh, Thomas later runs into them. They say, hey, we've seen Jesus. And he's like, uh, I want the, the same treatment, basically. I want to be able to see his hands, see his side, all of these things that they were already given access to in order that he might believe or agree or say that he's experienced the same. I don't think that's a tall ask. However, it's always been framed that Thomas, for some reason, is this black sheep. Um, and again, 
this wasn't, um, again, like a, a character flaw, let's say, of him just expressing this potential fear, this doubt, these questions. Um, and he wasn't there the first time that Jesus comes by. And again, is this vision? Is this reality? Regardless, I'm looking more so at the essence of each of these things. I think maybe part of it is that everyone grieves differently, right? They're also afraid of, when it says the Jews, it's specifically talking to the religious leaders who are the ones who handed Jesus over to be more or less murdered by the state. Um, So of course they are expressing and experiencing fear. And perhaps Thomas being more introverted, we only get a few mentions of him actually speaking throughout the gospel text, maybe needed more space in his grief to be alone, um, to find his own wilderness space, because his faith, his reasoning of what the world is supposed to look like or how the world is supposed to work has been rocked by the way that um, Jesus's death occurred. And so then he's late to the party. He later is allowed the same space, the same vision, um, to see and experience Jesus. And I think I lean more towards um, the fact that this is the writing uh, rather than Jesus's maybe true intention in uh, this phrase around, you know, so you believe because you've seen with your own eyes, even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. I don't think that this is Jesus chastising Thomas. I think it is merely giving allowance for those who might not get that same emotional feeling, um, whether it's from something, an experience in worship or otherwise, that your faith, your spirituality is still valid, um, is still beautiful regardless of what side you may fall in. Thomas, I think, is also returning to a call that we talked about coming from John 1, where Jesus invites them just to come and to see. That Thomas is wanting to move forward uh, with his expression of faith, and his questions aren't preventing him from doing so. In fact, it just shows that he's still willing to be all in, even in light of all the things that they've gone through. Um, He was willing, you know, to walk with Jesus to also face death. I think the biggest thing and the most important one for me is that Thomas didn't let his doubt isolate him. It says that even though he wasn't there in that first appearance, he was back with the other disciples eight days later probably communing with them, right? Trying to all process together all of these things. But he didn't let his experience of these questions isolate him. But if you've experienced doubt in maybe more traditional church space, you know very well that your expression of doubt or questions absolutely have isolated you because they weren't allowed Because having certainty, having an answer for everything, is 
has been the capital C church's way of exuding power and control over people's lives, saying that you have to believe exactly in this particular way for your individual salvation, um, for your membership in this church. And I think it's important to differentiate the way that Thomas's questions come into play in his journey here versus the way that it's been used against folks. Besides, adults teach children um, throughout their childhood that having a bit of doubt is healthy. Checking to make sure a board will hold your weight rather than blindly running across it. Some may call that common sense, but I like to say it's having a healthy understanding of doubt. Of course, it can quickly turn into unfound fear, but I think it's healthy to question ourselves, our surroundings, to check in and ask, is this still working for me? Um, But again, when it comes to religion, many people have faced consequence for maintaining some doubt, um, some questioning. If you can't reconcile your differences to fit into a box, could you really call yourself a Christian? Which, shameless plug, we're doing a book study on Brian McLaren's book, uh, Do I Stay Christian, on Wednesday nights, and from what I've heard, unfortunately I can't make it, a little too long of a commute, but from what I've heard, they've been just really good conversations so far. And again, you don't have to read in order to join, um, but really just being present to where are you at? What are you hoping for? I think what I love about Thomas and what I've related with so deeply is that if nothing else, he is persistent. And I think this is incredibly important in moments of confusion when life experience rocks what we've believed about the world, um, especially when can't reconcile the two. The doubt doesn't have to be um, something that we journey through and just get to the other side of, of, oh, this will be something temporary and I have to view it, you know, as a negative. I think it can be a destination just in the same way that I believe living into a wilderness space of faith and spirituality where you don't have all the answers is so beautiful um, and so important and can be that release um, from certainty. And I do struggle a bit with this story because it, at least in the framing where, you know, Jesus focuses in on Thomas and kind of somehow chastises him, at least in the phrasing that we receive here, um, but gave the other disciples space to be afraid, and then immediately shows them what Thomas would later get the same access to. I think there is something to be said here about how there's an expectation of the marginalized often to go along with it um, and not express their doubt versus um, those who have been part of privileged groups get a pass, right? That you can be expressing the same thing, but one person is allowed to and another is not. Um, Because I do believe the other disciples had the same doubts, Um, but Thomas isn't any more willing to take their word for it than they were to take Mary Magdalene's. And in the sense, Thomas is no different than the rest of them.
the resurrection, this standing again of Jesus and the community of disciples, hopefully allows these questions to move us from just inward-focused, fear-based space into one of liberation. Sometimes I think we get so locked in to either having our walls up or our guard up that we can create our own prisons if we're not allowing our true self, our true questions to be expressed. And so I hope that our questions guide us towards holy curiosity towards each other, that hopefully as you question, things become more transparent. You can see the ways in which they've maybe been used um, misguidedly, and you can also see the ways in which they can continue to be sources of healing, right? I talked very recently about how there are folks who transform weapons into gardening tools, and how beautiful that process is where you questioned, is this thing (laughs) supposed to stay as it is? Or can I allow it to become something else? And it is in that questioning that creativity actually can take over and make something beautiful. I hope always to hold that kind of posture when it comes to my own spirituality and the spaces that I create for other people, that I never believe that I arrive. Um, there are some things that I won't negotiate, and that is that all people are worthy of acceptance and belonging, um, that our world continues to need acts of justice um, and equity because there has been so much harm done. But on the whole, um, I truly hope to never finish uncovering both self-research and the mystery of the divine. I love bringing in the text from the Gospel of Thomas here. Um, There's a verse in it in which Jesus says, that which you have will save you if you bring it forth from yourselves. And that which you do not have within you will kill you if you do not have bring it forth from yourself. And the way that this has been kind of interpreted is that if you bring to light everything that is within you, it will save you. And if you don't, that is where the pain begins. Something that also sticks out within this text is in this message version. um, I really like how this is translated around um, Jesus's of breath that he gives the Holy Spirit and talks about forgiveness. If you truly forgive and they're gone in terms of the impact um, or the way that you're holding them, but if you don't forgive it, what are you going to do with them? And the way that I see this is that when you hold a grudge or you hold on to anger uh, for something that has been done against you, to you, at the end of the day, If you hold it uh, for a long time and can't process it, can't work through it, who does it hurt? Yourself. If we don't forgive, if we don't try to move forward through the pain, through the grief, uh, through the loss, uh, whether that's loss of freedom, um, 
loss of something, ultimately it comes back to us. The impact remains within us. And I wonder if we can see this as an invitation to move through, right? Um, That we can land somewhere in the wilderness and then that is where God is, that it's beautiful to be there. I was looking this week about different stages of the spiritual process, um, sources of awakening, and after the dark night of the soul, which I think is, again, a very sacred space, and that is where the questions, that's where often the space of loneliness can be, because you can be stripped of all the sources of certainty, community, etc. Is the stage that some have called the sponge. It's the explorer phase. You're not sure what you want. You know clearly what you don't want, at least what you came from. And you start to chip away at the things that no longer resonate. And you're creating more space for what's true and in alignment with your reality, your experience of the divine. And this looks like all sorts of experimentation. You start to fill that space of what you left with things that bring peace and joy and newness, that is, to me, the impact of a resurrecting life, a resurrecting love. I do think that you can hold both, the ghosts of our doubt, along with that new source of light, the new source of love, that we don't have to put any sort of certainty on. All that to say... I'm really grateful uh, for the story of Thomas. Again, regardless of its source of reality, I think the story holds so much potential truth. And so I hope that we'll be able to explore it together on Sunday. Um, As always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Mm -hmm.